All right, John, it's been a very strange and sometimes promising and occasionally infuriating run of Timberwolves basketball. Had they beaten the Pistons twice like they should have, they'd be in really good shape right now. They didn't beat the Pistons, so they're a hard team to trust. And so a lot of issues to get into with this team, but let's start here. Where is Anthony Edwards' head right now? Because he... I mean, he's generally playing really well, but he had the game where he had the hip injury and he went back in. He didn't sound real happy about it. Uh, he still is a 21-year-old with 21-year-old emotions. Where is his head and where is his game as we speak today? Yeah, I mean, I think that what we're seeing is a young guy who understands how important he has become to the Timberwolves and is trying to now figure out how to be the leader that this team really needs him to be. And part of that is there are veterans on the team like Austin Rivers. There are coaches like Chris Finch who are sort of pushing him and prodding him and saying and and, and trying to get him to a, a point that is probably ahead of where he is from an age and experience realm in terms of, hey, this is what it takes to be the franchise guy. And this is what you have to do to get everyone to fall in line right behind you. And um, and so some of in some cases, like, for instance, um, Anthony Edwards coming to the arena in Houston a little bit late because he didn't think he was going to play. And then he was pushed to play. Um, it, it, it's like, it's, it's just him trying to understand and get used to what it takes to do that. And I do think that what we are seeing now is he is responding to that responsibility in a great way. He sees the effect that he's having. And it's one, some, one thing to always like, believe that you can do it it's another thing to be seeing it happen in real time and i think that is sort of emboldening him a little bit more so every time he does something that's a little out of his comfort zone every time that he has success uh trying an approach that he's never done before i just think it it, it adds to his bravado and uh he already has plenty of that so it, it's just it's been interesting and fun to watch a 21 year old kid sort of come of age, not in a year, not in multiple seasons, but literally in weeks. Um, you know, since Carl went down, uh, since the team really hit hit some struggles with that losing streak, um, I, I think you're just seeing them out of necessity pile more and more on his plate. And now he's learning how to eat it and how to how to maintain. And it's um, it little by little, it's just getting better every day. Good. Okay. Because, you know, listen, it, with today's sports media combined with social media, anytime there's a negative, it it becomes a big deal. And you could have read some of his comments as being like, "Oh man, you know what what what's going on with me here?" But when you watch him play, I see a player I really like. Uh, plays well with his teammates, isn't afraid to take big shots. I mean, he's a phenomenal player. And, and you know, so I didn't want to overreact to anything that could be perceived as a negative. Yeah, yeah. I, I really don't get the sense that that it's, a, that it's a negative in terms of, man, these guys are making me do this um, at all. I think that it's really just um, him learning and being taught 
like what it what it does take and he is he definitely is coming to more and more realizations every day about really how much is involved in this you know rehabbing your injuries playing through discomfort um finding your teammates doing all of these things and then I think the one thing that has been really eye-opening to him is uh, him kind of trying to come to grasps with how closely everyone watches him, uh, whether it's in the media, whether it's in the locker room, whether it's even people, other people within the organization uh, who aren't directly involved, you know, aren't wearing a jersey uh, for, for every game. There is a spotlight that shines on a franchise player in a much different way and a much more demanding and, and, and harsh way than even, you know, your role players, even, you know, your secondary um, supporting cast. And so um, I, I do think that he has really needed to grasp that concept and really needed to uh, kind of come to that realization. And he just, every day he learns a little bit more and he gets it and he understands it. And, you know, we've heard him say a mil- several times after games, um, this is what they've told me to do. I'll figure it out. And then the next game it looks like he figures out whatever portion of the conversation that we were discussing the night before. And so it's just little by little, a young player learning it and starting to come to grips with, what is going to be asked of him on a daily basis. And it's going to be a lot. And it has been a lot. I think the most eye-opening thing I ever read about the NBA and what it takes to be great, because let's face it, you're you're up against great athletes every night. Uh, The schedule is relentless. Uh, The demands on your body and your energy and the travel are all incredibly demanding. And you're up against really highly competitive people every day too. And I remember reading, and I can't remember who wrote it, but somebody did a really in-depth piece on Jordan, on him making the transition from a really talented young dunker to being you know, the greatest player in the world. And he, start, he Jordan just talked about how every minute of every day is dedicated to being ready for the next game. And he, and he said, manicures, pedicures, getting the right amount of sleep, eating exactly the right foods, uh, hydrate. It's like every, it, it, it was an, it has to be an obsession. And Anthony Edwards is a tremendous young talent. And, uh, but you know, you just never know which of the talented young players are going to be obsessed in the right way. It's a great point. And, and even like going to your absolute, your game day routine, when are you getting on the bus? When are you going through your pregame shooting? When are you, uh, what are you saying as you walk out to the court for the game? Like everybody is watching in a way that is different from your run of the mill player. And I do think that one of the things that's difficult for many, many young players, I think, uh, including Ant, to understand is just how closely you are being watched for everything you do and how it can set a tone for the better or for the worse um, by the, by the way that you go about your business. I mean, let's extrapolate it out to the video that he had that he got so much you know, right, uh, correct criticism for over the summer with his 
anti-gay remarks. Like, I do think in the moment, uh, there was not, in, in Anthony Edwards' mind, he probably looked around and said, why is everyone making a big deal out of this? And why are why are people, you know, watching so closely? And why do they care what I say? Kind of a thing. And it, it, it there there had to be a message sent and delivered to him of, now you are at a point in your career and you have the talent that you have and the platform that you have that literally thousands and thousands and thousands more people than you ever could imagine are hanging on your every word, are looking at your body language, are trying to get a read on every single little morsel of things that you put out there. And so it's just a something that has to be much more carefully curated on your part image, but also everything that goes into a team. And so that is the burden that a franchise player has. And I do think that he has it in himself and has the ability to grasp that. But you just have to learn these lessons along the way and get to understand where exactly um, you're at in terms of the pecking order and how many eyeballs are on you. Um, and he's getting there. He's not all the way there yet. He still has stuff to learn, but he, the important thing for the Timberwolves is that he has been taking positive strides down that path toward superstar really all season. And it's, I think it's really been expedited over the last three to four weeks as they've tried to form a different identity. Good stuff from John Krasinski here on the John Krasinski Show. Funny how that works out. This is part of TalkNorth.com. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and our sponsors, TSR Injury Law, All Energy Solar, Head Flyer Brewing, Manscaped, and we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Thanks to all of our sponsors, all of our listeners, everyone who has made the, the network and this show a success. We do appreciate it. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Also go to talknorth.com, find all the other shows, John and myself on the Viking Update show, uh, and I'll, so many shows I can't even list them all. We just uh, keep adding. We've added Joe Anderson now. We've added Dave Lee, Mike Grimm to our already great sports lineup. We have Cheryl Reeb. We also have outdoor content. Check it all out. Subscribe to the shows you like. And thanks again. Uh, so, as I said in the opening here, if the Wolves had just showed up and beaten the Pistons the last two times they played them, we'd be talking about a great streak and the, them being in exceptionally you know, exceptionally good position in the Western Conference. But it's just hard to take that step and praise them when they don't show up against the Pistons. It, yeah, it is. You know, I, I after the Vikings lost on Sunday, I kind of sent a, a tongue-in-cheek tweet yep. of, I'd like to wel- welcome everybody to Timberwolf season. Yep. You missed the tough part. Now they've won six out of seven, and and it's time to get rolling. And, and it was kind of implied like, hey, you know, they've got everything figured out now. Like, the, no worries. This is a machine <laughs> that is on, that is, that is going in the right direction. And that is obviously not the case. Um, they are, I think that they are in general playing a little, playing better. Um, they are in general putting out the required efforts um, on a nice nightly basis to get themselves into the mix as of right now when we're recording this on Monday morning, they're in the seven seed, just a half game behind the Clippers um, for six. And so, so they have weathered a storm in a way um, that that's very good, but 
there are still very um very big moments where they don't bring the energy they need where they don't play as sharply as um as they should uh where they make stupid mistakes um where they underestimate their opponents and they kick opportunities away and certainly those two detroit games were the biggest uh examples of that really of the season not only you know had they won those games they'd be on an eight game winning streak right now um and and really charging up the the standings but also you can just see that it's an immature approach that they took against a team that they thought that they would handle no problem and that's just the kind of thing that really just causes you to pull your hair out when you watch these guys because you know that at their best as they were on Saturday against Cleveland um, on the second night of a back-to-back they can summon real talent and real effort and real energy and play great and look like a team that absolutely belongs in the conversation to be out of the play-in tournament and firmly in the playoffs in the Western Conference but then they go through these other games even Houston that they won, you know, it's just like you're, you're totally being, you're being completely immature and not handling things the right way. And so are you really ready to, to climb up the standings the way that you need to? And, um, you know, that's, that's been the most frustrating part of this is like every time you think that they're putting it together, they, they really stub their toe. And every time that you think, Hey, this team just doesn't have it. They don't have the character. They don't have um, the wherewithal to do it. Then they go out and, and they play against Cleveland the way that they did and and really kind of change your mind. So it has been a really difficult team to get any sort of consistent read on because they have been so inconsistent. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, let's get to some of the, I guess, the moving parts with this team. Uh, Luca Garza keeps showing up whenever he gets in the game. His offensive array is really impressive. You know, we've talked about it before. He's going to have to, to to play extended minutes. He's going to have to be able, uh, be able to handle people defensively. But I will say, as you as you pointed out, I mean, he he does put up a fight defensively. He gives you an effort. Uh, are we going to – is there a, a, a role for him on this team? And will that role – could that role possibly exist once Cat returns? Well, that's the thing um, that they do have to figure out, Jim, is, you know, in some ways, as the February trade deadline comes up and as they're looking to um, retool and reconfigure the roster a little bit, maybe balance it out a little bit more, in some ways they're they're hamstrung in terms of uh, draft picks to, to, to trade or, or, or players who are, are, are talented and attractive to other teams to to do to trade but in some ways they're talent rich and one 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 area that they are is at the center position um you have Rudy Gobert and 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 Cat obviously but then Nas Reed has been terrific when he's gotten real opportunities to play um and then Luca and and in and even Nate Knight has had his moments but Luca clearly comes in and he does have some limit limitations defensively, um, but he is a really polished offensive player. And the other thing that I think cannot be discounted with him 
is how hard he works on the floor. You always know that he is giving you absolutely everything that he has on every possession, both ends of the court. And that has been something that has not always been the case uh, in, in, um, in this season for the Timberwolves. They have had times where the effort and the energy wanes and Luca has, um, does not, it, it never wanes for him. And so there's a, a consistency with him that is attractive that I do think, um, you, should prompt Chris Finch to reward with more time. But how do you do it with the amount of talent and big men that they have? And so um, when you, when the Timberwolves are looking at possible deals to make, I, you don't want to trade Nas Reed. They don't want to trade Nas Reed, but if, but you may have to deal from a position of strength to try and um, bring in uh, you know, someone else that will help your team. And also knowing that you do have someone like Luca Garza, you even do have a Nate Knight to fill in um, if if you were to move a player like Nas out. Uh, as of right now, I don't have any indications that there's anything even close with Nas Reed uh, I, you know, in terms of a trade, but um, he's been so, so good. But you, you you have to give something to get something. And I just wonder if that, pressure is going to build up going into the deadline in the next couple of weeks. And if they are going to be prompted to do something because of the talent depth that they have there and because guys like Garza have proven uh, to be able to come in and hold down the fort. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, a lot more to get to on this roster and with the way they're playing right now. We do want to thank TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR Time. Saw Steve Terry's uh, happy face the other day uh, during one of the Wolves' better performances. Uh, great to work with Steve as we have for so long. He was the original sponsor of this program. Uh, so we, you know, we know the people at TSR. We trust them. If you're injured, you got to deal with somebody you trust. They won't charge you unless they win your case. They win a lot of cases. That's why they are such a great success story, such a great Minnesota success story. If you're injured, call 612-TSR-TIME. You will deal with a lawyer. And if they can't help you, they'll steer you in the right direction. 612-TSR-TIME. Let's hear now about Head Flyer Brewing. Yeah, Jim, I want to tell everyone about a really cool experience I had at Head Flyer recently, right after the game um, on Saturday night against Cleveland, which was a, a lot of fun, maybe the best atmosphere in Target Center that I've seen all season. And it was a great Wolves win, um, just super fun environment. I was driving home um, on Saturday night and drove by Head Flyer on my way home and looked like there were some people in there. And so I just said, hey, I'm going to stop in and have a beer um, right before I be, before I head home for the night. And and I walked in to Head Flyer in Northeast Minneapolis right off of Hennepin Avenue, and there was a really big crowd in the tap room, uh, but it was really quiet. And it, and I and I kind of was looking around and I was like, what is going on here? What's the vibe? Well, it turns out that there was maybe 30 people um, in there with a group of hearing impaired. Um, and they were all just speaking their sign language and, and just really involved and having a great time, having um, a, a big party there with uh, and, and having some really good beers. And it was such a fun kind of organic thing to do. Um, and, and so I talked to a couple of the bartenders, uh, my friend Josh and several others who just said, 
uh, yeah, they just they just came in, um, kind of surprised us a little bit. It's been a great night from a business wise and just from a vibe wise, and and that's what you can do at Head Flyer. It's you can you can have just an impromptu night with your friends, with your family. If you're looking to just have a couple of drinks in a super comfortable, nice, wide open tap room, great beers, all kinds of beers that you could ever want, um, and have a good time, watch a game on one of their big screens, or just kind of hang out, play some games at, at one of their many tables. Just do that. Stop into Head Flyer. Get yourself a good beer. Have yourself a great time with friends and family. Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. New Year means renewed solar energy incentives from local utility providers. Want to save money on your solar install? Find out what incentives you could qualify for at allenergysolar.com slash coach. Uh, want to be more green this year? Solar energy can help. Find out how to get a free site assessment at allenergysolar.com slash coach. The electrical grid has limited space for renewable energy, so beat the rush and plan your social, your solar installation soon. Again, where they want you to go, allenergysolar.com slash coach. That's, now it's here for Manscaped. Happy New Year from our friends over at Manscaped. The ball is officially dropped, but that doesn't mean you have to drop the ball on your balls in 2023. Whether you had a New Year's kiss or not, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming have you covered for your much-needed resolution of bringing sexy back. Join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC for 20% off and free shipping. Let us have a toast for a new year, new you, and a new you with no pew. It's a new year, new balls with the global leaders in below the waist grooming. This year, take your package to the next level with their Performance Package 4.0 and other premium wet goods. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. The advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate parts. It also comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land that 2023 looks to be. To complete the set, Manscaped threw in their shed travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code athletic. We're recording on the morning of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We are, uh, recording the day that the uh, wolves will play the jazz so we're not doing game related stuff we're doing more big picture stuff here so the so our conversation has a shelf life uh but the jazz are in town and walker kessler has been a nice uh you know the guy that that the wolves drafted and then traded in the rudy gobert deal has been for now so give us an update on what's going on with the jazz what's going on with walker kessler and former wolves right now yeah, so the Jazz obviously got off to a huge start, um, super fast start, including a win over the Timberwolves in Minnesota early on in October. And they were kind of the toast of the NBA, this team that traded Donovan Mitchell, traded Rudy Gobert, and somehow came out of the gates, you know, right at near the top of the Western Conference with their start. They have since cooled dramatically. Um, they have lost a bunch of games. They have sunk below the Timberwolves, uh, in the standings, but they're still a, a feisty group. Uh, the, you know, the big thing is Laurie Markinen, who they got from Cleveland, thankfully, and not from the Timberwolves has turned into an all-star, just an unbelievable player, um, kind of come out of nowhere and, and really assert himself. But unfortunately for the Timberwolves, Jim, uh, Walker Kessler has been a revelation. He's been really 
really good defensively. They're not playing him huge minutes yet, but he's impacting shots at the rim. He is blocking shots. He's deterring. He's grabbing rebounds. Uh, he is playing efficiently offensively as well. And quite frankly, he has been in general um, as good as Rudy Gobert, if not better um, in much of this season. And that has been a, a real killer for the Timberwolves from a from an uh, optic standpoint at minimum is that you get you spent all this money you spent all these uh, uh, trade assets to uh, to get Rudy Gobert and you had the, a, a guy who has turned out to be really really good already um, on your roster you drafted him the Wolves believed in Walker Kessler they really thought he had a bright future they just that didn't think he was Rudy Gobert and. Um, and they thought that Gobert would be more impactful. Um, and it turns out like for the bulk of the season, that hasn't really been the case. Now, Rudy has played much, much better over the last five to six games. You're seeing more double doubles. You're seeing people get a little more comfortable with him. Um, and I think the impact is increasing and coming uh, his way, which has been encouraging for the Wolves. But Walker Kessler has been terrific. And that's one that everyone's going to be watching for a long time and saying, hey, you know, the draft picks, whatever. Um, Jared Vanderbilt was tough to let go. Malik Beasley's been really good for them. But Kessler is the one that I think that, you know, people around here probably really regret or are really it's really going to bother them because he's just been he's 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 shown so much promise for them in an area that the Timberwolves really needed. And um, instead, they went with the with the higher priced item. We're in the position to second guess. <clears throat> I try to first guess as often as I can. So I want to admit when I get one wrong, I did not like Walker Kessler coming out of college. I just thought he, I didn't see a lot of growth there. Uh, and I was wrong. He, at least so far, I'm wrong. Uh, he, he's a nice player and he's better. He's better defending NBA players than I thought he would be. Yeah, he's, yeah, I mean, he's, I, I'll, I didn't know anything really about him when they, when he was drafted. Um, you know, they, you, I didn't watch him play in college. Um, I, I watched the highlights and things like that after they picked him. Uh, all I could say is like, I talked to people within the organization when they picked him and they really liked his athleticism. They really liked his instincts. They really thought that he had the potential to be a really good player in the league. Now, um, did they think he would be a high level starter or did they think he would even be as far along as he clearly is right now? Probably not. Um, I think that has been a surprise. So, and I can tell you that when they made the trade, the most of the analysis was on the draft picks and maybe set, you know, some people did talk about losing Vanderbilt and his production, losing Beasley and his production. There was very little time spent on, Oh man, I can't believe they gave up Walker Kessler. Like, how could you do that? Um, especially when you're getting a, a center back, like it, it made some sense. Like, look, Kessler isn't going to play that much. You have Townsend Gobert, um, so kind of balance the roster a little bit more. Send out a big. Um, so very few people were saying, "How could you include Walker Kessler in this deal?" Now, with the benefit of hindsight and second guessing, you can say, "How could, how did you include Walker Kessler in that deal?" <laughs> but he has certainly exceeded most expectations on who he is right now and what he can become over the next several years. 
Two more topics today. We'll be back next week to get more into Timberwolves issues and the Timberwolves schedule and the fascinating Western Conference. Uh, second to last topic, Rudy Gobert. Exactly how have things changed either the way he's playing or the way they're using him in the last couple of weeks? Well, here's one thing, Jim. Um, I, I do think, first of all, uh, teammates are getting a little bit more um, accustomed to where he's going to be, to where he wants the ball. Uh, to where he's going to be defensively and and playing around him better. Part of that, a big part of that, is getting Torian Prince back and pairing Rudy Gobert with Prince and Kyle Anderson, two real smart veteran guys. And he and so Gobert feels more comfortable with that kind of a lineup around him. Um, another part, though, which I believe is a real factor, is I think that Rudy Gobert knows that people around the league, fans, media, um, other executives and coaches and things are looking at this trade right now and saying, man, the Timberwolves really messed up. Uh, they paid way too much. Rudy Gobert isn't impactful enough right now, and and it's not working. I think that Gobert uses that stuff as motivation, as fuel, and is playing – uh, with a more emphatic nature to his game, he's playing a louder game. He is he's dunking with more emphasis. He is blocking shots um, with you know with more dem- more demonstratively. And I think that he's trying to uh, take it personal that there are a lot of doubts about him, his abilities, and certainly about the the price that the Wolves paid to get him. And some players are very motivated by those kinds of things. And I think Rudy Gobert is one of those. And, and so you can see that he has responded um, and is, and is trying to be more of a dominant presence uh, maybe than he was a little bit earlier in the season when he's playing a little more tentatively. I understand. I've been doing this a long time. I understand that that is the athlete psychology. They respond to challenges. They respond to negativity. Uh, I just wish more athletes would be motivated by being paid thirty million dollars a year and having a franchise trade eighty-five draft picks for them. Yeah, I mean that's the, the absolutely. You'd think that that is the case, and I'm sure that there is some of that for Rudy. Um, but yes, I mean we can. Michael Jordan, you can go to any, any, a lot of the elite athletes and they look for these outside, um, uh, stressors or outside slights, uh, that, that they use as, as motivation. Um, and I think Rudy Gobert is one of those, one of those guys that does that. It is, you're right. It's weird. You know, ideally their pay, um, just their inner desire to win, which is, I think, a very high in Rudy. I think he really wants to personally just win championship, win, you know, do those things. I think he has a clear eyes that way. But, uh, but yes, I think that he is of the many athletes who uh, listens to outside chatter and puts, you know, that puts chips on his shoulder. And uh, it might not, you know, you can you look at it and say, ah, it's kind of silly, but. Uh, but it's a real thing, and he's certainly not alone in that category. And let's be honest. We're all like that. I mean, I, yes. I tell Brandon, before you come on the calls every time we do the show, I tell Brandon, you know, John Krasinski gets to do the Manscaped commercial. I took that personally. <laughs> no question. Well, and, and, I, and I'm looking at it as, I mean, I, I see a lot of people who say, man, you know, John's no Dane Moore, 
John's no Zach Lowe in the podcasting realm. Oh, really? Let me show you. All yeah. right. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm coming back at you. Get your back And up. I'm going to prove you guys all wrong that I belong right in the upper echelon with uh, them in terms of podcasting skills. Oh, you're, you're definitely top five, John. Take that however <laughs> you like. Uh, one more topic today. It is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Maya Moore chose today. Uh, Monday to announce her retirement. We all knew she was retired, that she was going to retire, but she has the privilege of, of, of handling the announcement any way she sees fit. Uh, great player, great human being. Uh, I know I'm, I'll just offer a personal aside here. You know, when I first started covering Maya with the links, um, you know, she was a, a little standoffish. Uh, mm-hmm. She, she, carried herself like the superstar she was. I think she also didn't necessarily trust media people and, uh, you know, had been kind of in the headlines ever since she was a young player in Georgia uh, and kind of, you know, carried herself uh, with with a little bit of aloofness in that way. I did get to know her better over the years and really had some great conversations with her, especially the last couple of years where she talked about the importance of her being a role model, the way the importance of her, of carrying herself in a dignified way, because she knew so many eyes were on her. Obviously she understood the importance of social justice and that there's more to life in sports. I also think personally uh, talking to people around her over the course of her career, I think she absolutely burned out on being uh, the face of women's basketball for so long. I think it really just wore her down. I think she was glad to go into a realm where she wasn't necessarily a superstar. She was just trying to, go do good work. So congratulations to Maya Moore, one of the great players of all time. John, what would you like to say about her? I mean, it's so well put, Jim, um, that you could just tell there was always sort of a reluctance or an aversion to the PR machine that being not just the pro athlete, but one on Maya Moore's level, uh, it, it requires of, of, of an athlete like that. Um, you know, she was with Jordan Brand. She was a superstar in college and a superstar in the in the WNBA. And and there was always you could just tell that she never really had an appetite for all of that attention, um, for the way that it worked. And um, and so I so in that respect, I'm not surprised at all that her career ended maybe earlier than you might expect um, a player of her level to uh you know she's she, I, I never got the impression that she was going to be one where you've got to tear the jersey off my back like that's just not the way that she that she was but from a purely um athletic standpoint from a pure you know just player legacy standpoint there's there are few who can match Maya Moore um from all of the things that she won Olympic medals and NCAA and, 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 and WNBA championships and, and, and the effect that she had on the teams that she played on was unmatched. Uh, certainly her social justice work and her incredible quest to get her now husband out of, uh, be, from being wrongly imprisoned is literally the stuff that they make movies about. Um, you know, and and like just a, her her overall approach to living life is something that is uniquely hers. And I am glad that she was able to do things on her terms and make her own decisions and do what is clearly making her happy. But um, one thing that I do, I don't want to get overshadowed in all of the conversation that's going to happen about her in the coming days is she was 
just a phenomenal player, just an incredible um, impact winning type of a force. And, um, and, and she deserves accolades for everything else she's going to get accolades for. But at the, at the very base level, just from an athletic standpoint, she was an amazing, amazing player and congratulations to her on a, on a wonderful career and, and one that is ending on her own terms. And that's, that's always a good thing for an athlete to do. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that in. And she was a blast to go uh, watch play. She was so, just so much. She was, she, I mean, basketball is a game built for superior athletes and superstars. It's a, it's a, it's a perfect vehicle for the great athlete. She was a great athlete. She was a clutch athlete and, you know, one of the great winners of all time in Minnesota. We talk about Lindsay Whalen, maybe the greatest winner of all time. Maya Moore was that way where, you know, everywhere. I mean, she was, she never lost in high school. I don't think she lost in high school. She barely lost in college. She wins four titles in her first seven years in the NBA, WNBA, one of the great winners of all time. And she was the one making the clutch shots. She was the one taking the big shots. Uh, yeah. So it was, a, it was a joy to get to cover her. Uh, and, you know, it's it, and really kind of an honor for us to be associated with, or you know, be, even be in the same arena with her at times, given everything she's done. So, congratulations to Maya. Great stuff from John as always. Check out the Viking Update Show for our Vikings season recap. And uh, from the Aquarius Home Services Studio, this is the John Krasinski Show. Mm-hmm.